Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. All right, so Matt, are you set up with Audacity now? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, as far as I can tell, I'm recording on Audacity. There is a blue trace. It's in mono. Uh, it's coming from the right mic. Before we start really recording and, again, yeah. uh, Shannon, are you drinking a beer? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> why, why would you say that? <laughs> I thought we were getting loose. Uh, man, dude, it's been a rough week. <laughs> so here I am. Yeah. Okay, so don't judge. Don't judge. It's do six o'clock. Another clap, t- clap sync thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Since uh, Matt's recording now, John, I never stopped recording. Do you want me to? Neither. Did uh, that's okay. I'm, we'll just keep it all going. And okay. Neither did I. Uh, I'm kind of thinking about yeah. releasing all that lead-up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the behind the scenes we could have a bloopers reel all right i'm gonna stop talking and let you yeah. do your thing. <laughs> okay uh three two one okay so uh do we want to just uh do that all again again yeah okay i'm actually pretty sad that i only brought one beer with me i will say that <laughs> i was just thinking the same thing <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're at your house, man. You've got all fridge full. <laughs> I can see it, but I can't reach it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this all has to go in the stinger. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, you re- do you think you do remember what you did, Shannon? <laughs> <laughs> when? Which bit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure I can redo it. All right. <clears throat> Um. Hey Shannon, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, John. How are you doing? Again, so soon since we last recorded. Yeah, it's Tuesday and we're back. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, um, so we're gonna try something a little different, right? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk to these uh, two crazy cats from um, a podcast that I know we both really enjoy. Yeah, so we've got the folks from Undersampled joining us. How are y'all? Hey guys. We are uh, joining you from Nova Scotia and New Orleans, respectively. Um, so we're, uh, we're going to do a dual release on Tuesday, and so I guess we should uh, introduce our show. So we're here at Undersampled Radio with episode 10, which uh, is going to be awesome because we have the folks from Don't Panic Geocast here. Um, so we <laughs> had a little mix-up earlier. And so we've actually been recording for about 15 minutes and not getting anywhere. <laughs> so we're going to try it again. Um, so let me uh, introduce uh, the Don't Panic Geocast in case you guys don't know. Um, we have been, this is for the, the crew here, we have been syndicating undersampled radio with the software underground. And uh, both of uh, the guys from uh, Don't Panic are signed up. You can get signed up at swung.rocks, and you can look at all the weird stuff we're going to talk about and get the show notes for this episode. Um, if you would like to find Don't Panic Geocast's podcast, the easiest thing for me to tell you is on Twitter at 
It's at Don't Panic Geo. Uh, there they have links to iTunes, web, everything you need. Um, but of course, all of their links are going to be in these show notes. Yeah. And uh, your show, like you said, has been going with uh, the Swung Group. And I really encourage people, especially after, I mean, last week, uh, or I guess two weeks ago now that this comes out, we talked to Katie Huff about computation and open geoscience, all these wonderful things. And a lot of those conversations take place in the, the Slack uh, Swung Group. So it's a really fun place to hang out. Uh, I've definitely upped my nerd quotient now because I've made all my grad students get on Slack and it's out of control, man. There are so many cat memes floating out there. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Um, I, I feel like it actually helped our workflow a little bit. Even though our offices are just down the hall from each other, it makes stuff happen a lot faster. So it's pretty cool. I'm a software newbie, so guys, you're just going to have to. <laughs> I look uh, at real rocks outside. <laughs> So it looks like you're doing, and again, I'm, I'm just going off of LinkedIn here. Uh, it looks like you're doing stuff in Paleomag, right? Uh, right. Um, I, will, I don't keep my LinkedIn very updated. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so I look at uh, paleomagnetism, and um, we use that to sort of work out the history of what has happened to all different kinds of rocks. So mostly sedimentary, but I've also looked at a lot of granites and stuff. And you can tell what has happened to these rocks in their past based on the magnetic minerals that live there now, basically. So um, it's really great. It's a lot of really intensive field work. We just got back from Nevada. Uh, and lots of sampling in the snow and in 90 degree heat. And it's always a good time. I've made John lug all my equipment around numerous times in the field. <laughs> That's yes, <laughs> gallons and gallons of water for the drill. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. To use. <laughs> yeah. You used the big hammer drill. That was in the notes. <laughs> yeah, the big modified chainsaw. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> awesome. How does it How does it uh, attach to the rock? Or do you only, are you only able to drill vertically? Uh, no, so it attaches. You take, off the, um, you take off the chain, and then it hooks to this drill bit, hooks to the front of it, and it's all proprietary, so you have to buy it through this guy, Pomeroy, who invented it. Um, and so it hooks to the front of it. And so you wield the chainsaw like you normally would. And you can drill in any orientation. Huh, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and you wear a raincoat when you do it because you get covered in rocks, Larry. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to be a weenie and don't want to get wet, yeah. So, John, what are you doing out there with Shannon? It looks from your LinkedIn like you're doing stuff with computers and fracturing of rocks. Yeah, so I'm actually, uh, I'm at Penn State, and I'm finishing up my PhD soon, hopefully. Uh, and I work on earthquake physics in the laboratory, so I'm a rock mechanicist. Uh, I take huge, uh, huge hydraulic press and generate little earthquakes in the lab, so my earthquakes are about magnitude minus two and a half. Yeah. Uh, and then I can study them up close because I can see the fault uh, right in front of me, and I do a lot of modeling of things like the radiation from that, the thermal radiation, uh, the frictional dynamics and stability, trying to understand uh, some of the basic problems of earthquake physics and more recently trying to understand a lot about slow slip. <laughs> so, so you get to use a giant me mechanical hydraulic press. Shannon gets to use a giant hammer drill. Matt and I just <laughs> sit here with a keyboard and a mouse all day. What is <laughs> yeah, Matt, a huge keyboard. <laughs> is it a mechanical keyboard too because my mechanical keyboard has rainbow colors i just want to say that, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> matt can you introduce your your, the, your background to the listeners of uh, don't panic geocast 
But I, well, you know, um, I'm one of these people who floats around, I think. I, um, I started off as a, as a sedimentologist and then sort of got into industry right after my PhD. And I've been, I've essentially been in industry ever since. So it's applied. Um, it's, you don't always get to work on the thing you really want to work on. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a limit to how much research people are sort of interested in seeing. But you get to acquire just gigantic, wonderful, amazing data sets, the likes of which, you know, I think most academics only dream about. Um, but, but they're not really talk to anybody about them or show them to anybody. So <laughs> it's a bit, it, like, you know, you, you got to take the rough with the smooth. Um, and anyway, I got into seismic data uh, pretty early on in my in my um, sort of industrial career, and as soon as I sort of got to grips with seismic, I've, I I just love the the um, I love the depth you can dive into on this sort of di these digital data sets, and I, there's just nothing like I mean the the field acquisition and everything is really cool, and I like the physical side of the science, um, but I really love diving through a new data set and uh, the sort of zen of seismic interpretation and the really fun sort of quantitative analysis you can do. Um, so I, I guess I've I spent most of my career um, doing seismic analysis of one sort or another. But without this kind of um, really intuitive grasp of sort of, um, I guess, mathematics and um, <laughs> that, you know, a lot of geophysicists have. So I've... I've I guess I've spent the last 10 years or so trying to get more quantitative, um, trying to learn. And I always I felt like I'm catching up, basically, my entire career. <laughs> and I feel like that now with uh, with computer science and with podcasting. And, uh, you know, it's all good. He's also British. Did you guys notice? I'm, I'm also a Brit. <laughs> well, I was. See, it was <laughs> when I first met Matt, I said, man, that would be a good guy to have on a radio. Listen to that voice. He's smart. <laughs> he's got good ideas, and he's got a British accent. But you know, there's this uh, this Brexit vote coming up in the UK um, the, for Britain to leave the EU. And so, more, more out of curiosity than anything, I looked today on the site where Brits, like people who don't live in the UK um, but are British, can register to vote in this referendum. And um, and I got sort of halfway through it, and then it said, well, when did you leave the UK? And I left the UK in August 1997, and it said, no, I'm sorry, you're not eligible. So I, oh. <laughs> that stung. Yeah, so you just found out you're no longer a Brit today? That is pretty painful. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not a, not a Brit where, it, you know, in everywhere it counts. That's okay. It still counts on the podcast, just, man. I'm telling you, Shannon, you need to work on your British accent. Oh, uh, Guess, imagine how many listeners you'd get if you had a British <laughs> accent. <laughs> I mean, I could go full oaky on you. That's about as much as I've got <laughs> going for me. <laughs> Y'all work with them computers? Yeah. <laughs> she says that she drinks a beer. <laughs> prove it. You can't prove it. <laughs> um, so, so, Graham, what about you? Oh, I. so I'm a geophysicist. Um, I got my PhD studying sort of like a, just a pure physics PhD studying signal analysis and I became very interested in seismic data because it's awesome 
and it's big <laughs> and it's um, highly dimensional. Um, you know, you can split it up in so many ways, but uh, at, the, at the very least, you've got five dimensions. Um, so it's it's cool stuff to work on. And um, my specialty is in seismic processing, doing the quantitative side of stuff. And uh, I, I write a lot of my own algorithms that we use at my little company, Sandstone Oil. Um, so I I love to do the R&D type of stuff. But as Matt says, you also have to pay the bills, baby. So that's it. Um, so we've got a whole list of questions here for each other, I see. And um, what are we going to do? We're we just going to go through these questions or what? Yeah, I guess we could just start and then see uh, how we can bounce these back and forth because I think it's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> looking through the list. Yeah. Well, I, I already have questions that I didn't write down. Cause, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I just, well, since I didn't know Matt was a sedimentologist, so that makes me super excited to get away from you geophysicist and, ah. you know, <laughs> talk about rocks again. Um, but I spent a summer interning and picking seismic lines all summer, and it might have been the worst internship of my life. <laughs> so uh, I just... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just didn't know what, what draws you from the geology side. I mean, John and I talk a lot on the podcast about being well-rounded and how, you know, being a geologist and then going into geophysics makes you definitely more marketable in the industry, you know, because you have a background for all that data. Um, but what made you, you know, go to the other side, Matt? Uh, you know, I... It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to answer because I feel like to answer it, I have to. <laughs> it's uncomfortable in a way. I, I think I felt because right, I felt actually pretty uncomfortable in my skin as a geologist, and um, and I, I I felt like I, I I was quite academic like through school, what what you guys would call high school. Um, I loved doing exams. I loved maths and physics and. I could just sit and do exams all day. It, it, it was and just a weird, I went to this school that had a weird view of education. And you know, the, that it was basically about achieving these sort of very specific, high, like tangible goals. And, and I sort of carried that through university. I loved the outdoors, so I loved all that side of geology. Um, but at some level, I think, Either I felt like it was just too qualitative and I couldn't tell these stories that really great geologists seem to be able to tell. They sort of close their eyes and imagine these, you know, the paleogeography and the ecology and the... And I, I somehow felt like I didn't have that intuition. And I kind of went all the way through grad school even feeling like I was... Okay, now I have to write my thesis and... It's just like an exam. I just have to kind of put these chapters together. And it was like, it was like doing this massive Sudoku. <laughs> I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if this is making sense to, to, to you guys, but I, I just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't a, a calling, if you like, I guess. Maybe okay. that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. But what, so, so, finding, so finding this kind of beautiful, massive data set that you can do analysis on and be sort of quantitative... And um, and I guess I was attracted also to the sort of technical aspects of, you know, I don't know, bit depth and time series analysis and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it felt when I found it, I was kind of relieved. It was like, oh, here's something I can do and not feel like such a faker. <laughs> well, wow. so I don't and, think I've ever the, told anybody any of that. So uh, don't like don't can... don't spread it around. I mean, okay. my fee is like only fifty an hour, so it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. No, nobody's going to listen to this anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but no, we, uh, I, when, when people, when geologists draw these big grand stories, uh, I know I get dirty looks from them because I always call them geophantasmograms. Hey! Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that word. Uh, but my how entire do you, like... science is called paleomagic, so, you know, whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can we talk about podcasts yet or what? Rocks are great, but I want to see. Wow, that should be done faster than John ever has. Jeez. Okay, fine. Let's talk uh, with you nerds now. <laughs> so, s- since we've been on this call, the first the first five minutes of this call, I learned more about podcasting than I have in what episode are we on? Ten, ten episodes. Uh, I learned about the clap thing. I learned about recording uh, multiple streams of audio, channels of audio. This is wonderful. So, how how long ago was your first episode, and how did it go? Well, we started in January of 2015. With episode zero, like any sane person does, you start on zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would say it wasn't that great. I don't know about you, Shannon. Uh, yeah. Didn't we practice, essentially? And we thought that was good. And then we went to record it, and it sucked really bad. Yeah, something like that. We yeah. just we went straight to recording. We just let it. We just <laughs> raw. It's terrible. <laughs> well, I think it only took us that one time to realize that, oh, we missed all these cool organic moments that we had before. And then we got on there and we're like, da, 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 let's read this script. Oh, Robots, gosh, yeah. this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where we started from. How, where did you... Um... Where did you meet, and how, how did how did the even the first the practice come about? So I have to say that um, obviously I was one of John's heroes um, because <laughs> I got my undergrad degrees here at OU, at the University of Oklahoma, in meteorology and geology, and no one had sort of done that before until John found out about me and decided he wanted to do it too. But uh, he took the easy route and did meteorology and geophysics, which isn't really that different. Yeah. <laughs> So is that why he carried your rock your rock drill around? <laughs> that is exactly why. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting thing doing uh, doing the the dual degree because I, I had known Shannon but didn't know this about her, and the department head at uh, in the meteorology department said, you know, I think you should really just focus on on one because it's really difficult. There's only one other person that's ever done this. And then he said who it was. And, uh, yeah, so we've known each other for quite a while. And we both used to be at University of Oklahoma. And we would have conversations like we do on the podcast over either coffee or beer, depending on if it was before or after 11 a.m. And uh, that, you know, I moved up here to do my Ph.D. and we didn't get to chat. So we thought this was a good way to stay in touch and entertaining, hopefully. That's really cool. Yeah, and it sure is. The thing that I like best about your guys' show is that it, it is organic, and it is mm. silly, and it is real. Um, it's it's fun to listen to because you're you're doing what we're doing now, which is just chatting and having a good time. So, um, very cool. We uh, so 
Matt and I met in New Orleans for the SEG conference last year, and uh, he his company Agile Geoscience had the hackathon, the pre-SEG meeting hackathon, which was awesome. And um, I was very jealous of how awesome his ideas were. And I said, well, I can get to hear about all sorts of crazy ideas if we, if we talk every day. And if, if I record them, I can go back and reference them later. Awesome. I can't believe you guys so, have only known each other that long. Because on your podcast, it definitely sounds like it's more organic than that. I mean, SEG in New Orleans was less than a year ago. Yeah, October. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Wow. SEG is the yeah. Society for Exploration Geophysicists, in case anybody wants to know. So all the oily geophysicists go there. <laughs> Except confusingly, there's another SEG, which is Who? the, yeah, there's like the Society for Economic it's Geology. Like, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, right. it, yeah. So that's that's right. Nobody does that anymore. Cl- I thought you were going to say like Society of Exercise, <laughs> Exercising Grandmothers or something co- well, there might completely be that unrelated. Well. I haven't cast the net that wide. <laughs> <laughs> one day, man. One day. <laughs> what you do on YouTube in your own time is your own business. <laughs> you know, the acronyms are amazing. So I, I did an internship at NASA, which of course is the king of acronyms. Uh, but I used to uh, be involved with some storm research. And the acronym that we chose, we went to buy the domain after, you know, we'd already organized everything. And it turned out to be the same acronym as the Lexington Women's Soccer League. <laughs> so we couldn't get the domain. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And those before all these fancy TLDs like Dot .rocks. Yeah, yeah, right. Very cool. It's much easier uh, nowadays. It's much easier nowadays to confuse people with your URL. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so what's the, what's the goal? Why, why continue the podcast? Is it just to chat with each other every week or what? Go ahead, Shannon. No, go ahead. I already did a lot of talking. Well, so I think really it was to chat with each other and to share kind of our love of what we do, uh, when it's turned into, you know, we've had a, a pretty wide listener base now. We thought it would be geologists and geophysicists that listen and we would kind of do some deep technical dives and it turns out we have a really broad audience, and that's really good because we get a wide variety of feedback. And it forces us to do, like recently we've been doing some back-to-basics shows. And I actually, it's nice to go back and review some basic geology because sitting in front of a, a press or sitting in front of the computer writing code, I forget a lot of these things. And it's nice to go back, and I learn a lot every time we do an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, I love the same thing about blogging. Do, do basic stuff now and again, and like halfway through, you're like, I actually don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, your, your Elastic Modulus blog post was great. And we just talked about on the show that's going to be released uh, Friday a little bit about Elastic Moduli. So we're going to link that in for sure. Oh, sweet. Um, I also think that, like, as you can probably tell, John and I are pretty big nerds, obviously, since we both got these. Like, every earth science degree you can get, we tried to get. Um, <laughs> and I think we're both, like, really passionate about making science available to the general public. And I think this is a way that we thought would be a good way to do that in terms of some of our stuff is more advanced, some is less advanced, but there's always sort of something for everybody. And whenever I'm actually preparing lectures for class, it really helps to uh, 
yeah, lecture on the same things we're doing the podcast on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah which, which comes first? Uh, it's really half and half sometimes. John will suggest something and I'll be like, oh, yeah. Or if we have an upcoming field trip, I always make him do a podcast <laughs> about the field trip. Yes. So then I have <laughs> some background knowledge. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is like a, a really serious life hack for scientists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, I can't be accountable to just myself, but John makes me feel so, you know, uh, inferior. I'm trying to get to his level of nerdiness <laughs> that it makes me do stuff better. So that helps. Well, and so I was actually talking to my advisor. We were coming back from a conference, and several of us were sitting together having dinner, and they were complaining about their teaching schedule. And then a little while later, somebody started saying, oh, you know, well, John has this podcast. And so we started talking about it. And I said, yeah, you know, we probably spend, I don't know, six hours a week between writing show notes, recording the show, editing, uh, you know, posting everything, making the show notes for the next week. And that was kind of a realization for them. They're like, oh, so this is like teaching a class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it really pretty much is. Yeah. I mean, we I have do. a fixed schedule. I do, I do about the same, yeah, about four or five hours a week on it. Um, but uh, my, our research, I guess <laughs> we try to do our research and we try to know what we're going to talk about. But as we're talking about what you guys are doing, I realize, <laughs> Matt, we don't really have like a mission statement. <laughs> what, what are we doing with this show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll work on that and maybe we'll get to that by episode 50. I, I believe well, in, in practice-based missions. I, I mean, you know, may, maybe we'll figure it out eventually. Our our process is a little more organic than mission statements. Huh? <laughs> well, Graham, I would be worried because, I mean, every one of us is on video chat except for Matt. So who the hell knows, you know, what, or yeah. sorry, who the heck what, knows what? what he's doing. He's not wearing pants, <laughs> what I'm sure. What he's exactly. wearing. <laughs> Guys, I'm making fun of my beer, but that dude probably got 20 of them around him now. <laughs> I mean, that's the advantage of doing uh, consulting, right? Is if your clients are all remote, uh, you just have to put on the tie on your desk. <laughs> Usually a shirt helps too. But, uh, you know. Okay, yeah. It depends if they're actually in the room or not. <laughs> you might be able to get away with one of those tux t-shirts. How big the desk is. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I have to ask, what what is your favorite part of what you do? Because you're in a, both of you are in a different environment than we are. And so what is your favorite part about doing this consulting? Is it with doing the, uh, you know, the big data sets or a different challenge pretty often? Or what do you like about it? Yeah, Graham, what do you like about it? <laughs> Not making a steady paycheck? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best <laughs> um, such a thrill yeah really gets you wrapped up um so i guess the the pr statement that i always tell people is that i like to pick projects based on the project uh but that's not true anymore right i mean especially right now because the industry's in a downturn you just take what you can get um but but related to that is that you get to work the project in a way which you prefer and you can own it from start to finish. Um, I, I like seeing an overall accountability for the workflow. Um, for example, if I tell someone drill here, uh, it, you know, that's, that's on me. Right. Um, right. But, 
aside from that, and related to the ups and downs in the industry, it's cool that we get to have the the if we have to have the downtime, it's cool that we get to play around with stuff that we're interested in. So right now, while it's slow, um, I you know Matt puts out cool software and stuff and tools all the time but when it i only have time to do that stuff when when i have no jobs going on uh so <laughs> it's it's kind of cool because we we get to make things right in, in the time you're not solving problems you're making things and it's that duplicity between making and solving making and solving i love that how about you matt yeah you know i um i i, I worked at Statoil. was my first job and then I moved to Landmark Graphics um, which then quickly became Halliburton and then I moved to ConocoPhillips so you know I've worked in these sort of three giant companies and um, you know there's there's definitely pluses with being in those places uh, and I've enjoyed working at all of them there's there's w without exception been fantastic people there um, I already mentioned the amazing data sets, you know, you, you get to get your hands on um, and be responsible for. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing being your own boss and I, you know, I can sort of say, well, I can I can see projects through and so on. But but actually, I'm, I'm often working in the service of someone in one of these corporations. And actually, in a way, they are the person who sees it through, um, you know, so the, like I, I don't want to make it sound like. Uh, I, you know, I'm glad to be out of the corporate rat race and all that kind of thing. But there's definitely an element of that. For for me, it was really like a lifestyle thing that came first. You know, um, I've got three little kids. We wanted to change the scene. We've been living in in towns for a long time and um, moved out here to Nova Scotia to a small village. A very beautiful village, beautiful place. Uh, there's 900 people live here and. Um, it, that that was kind of what came first, and I'd I'd been harboring this sort of uh, idea that with the internet being the way it was, you know, five, uh, six, seven years ago, and the availability of pretty cheap, awesome computers, I sort of started thinking we should be able to like do this from anywhere. I shouldn't have to live, you know, commuting distance from a massive high rise. Um, to do this kind of work so in a way what I'm doing now is was a sort of that experiment of can I have this kind of global globally oriented career and live where I want um, and I, you know I, I wouldn't say <laughs> I'm not w willing to say um, one way or the other what which is which is kind of better or how successfully I've done it but um, I'm still having fun and yeah, the software stuff, not so much the blogging and podcasting, uh, but a lot of what I do, I feel like would be difficult in a corporate environment. Um, so I'm so I'm definitely enjoying the freedom of of it. But I mean, like Graham says, I mean, you, you know, as five, Agile has five employees, um, well, four employees and a subcontractor that we use a lot. And, you know, that's uh, that focuses the mind. Last year was not all that much fun. <laughs> when you've got payroll to make and you sort of start thinking, "Wow, this experiment really sucks." <laughs> but 
anyway, here we are now, and business is much better in 2016. So I'm, you know, uh, I'm more more hopeful again. But I mean, you know, it's all just different ways of making a living, right? Doing some science, having fun with data, hanging out with cool people. What more could you ask for? Yeah, I think that's definitely why we're we're all here in some various role, right? Because we're all we're all about the geoscience for sure, and uh, as Shannon is demonstrating, geologists and their their love of beer is part of part of her lifestyle choice of going into pure geology. Guys, I only brought one. Um. <laughs> one two gallon jug of beer. That's all it is. Exactly. <laughs> hey John. Oh, did you just use gallons? <laughs> hey John, what are you gonna? Yeah. Do? <laughs> just getting out of hand. Hey John, what are you gonna do when you finish your uh, PhD? Well, we'll see. So I'm I'm in the process of looking for jobs right now, which the academic job market is uh, a little bit slim right now. So looking around for postdocs and then entry-level faculty positions as well. Uh, but my goal is to uh, have a lab do, because uh, I really do enjoy the education side of what we do. That's part of why we do the podcast, right? Uh, I enjoy teaching, sharing knowledge with others, and learning through teaching. And then also uh, on the side doing a little bit of consulting to keep my toe dipped in what's going on. Not necessarily in in the industry, though some of it is industry, uh, but mostly just to keep my toes in the engineering field a little bit because I really enjoy uh, working with new instrumentation, which is mostly what I do for the consulting side. Oh, so hmm. What kind of uh, instrumentation are you, are you engineering? Designing, building? Yeah, so I design and build new types of instruments or custom high-resolution instruments for people. So specialized data loggers, uh, very high-resolution, like sub-microradian tilt meters and tilt instruments, hmm. uh, small deployable low-cost uh, things for array deployments, that kind of thing. So just trying to push what we can do uh, now that prototyping and spinning your own circuit boards and all that is relatively uh, cheap and accessible. That sounds awesome, man. Uh, so you're you're uh, the, you're the uh, geo IoT. Uh, yeah, I guess that's some something that you could say some along those lines. Yeah, uh, we really have been playing with uh, recently a lot of magnetometers and MIMS accelerometers, trying to find cheap ways to do that. Uh, and then, like I said, uh, tilt instrumentation has been my big focus lately, uh, trying to get very low power things that could run for uh, at least half a year. Uh, with no additional power than maybe a couple of car batteries. So trying to get down to the, the sub 0.2 watt level for these instruments. Wow. That's and cool, it, it's man. fun because it requires, you know, I've had to learn how to do like 3D CAD and some mechanical engineering to get the enclosures made. I've had to learn how to do circuit board layout and then firmware like assembly programming on these little tiny microprocessors. Uh, so it's been a ton of fun and I, I really enjoy it. So that's why I want to keep my toes dipped in that a little bit too. Do you do that sort of uh, the engineering stuff? Like, where's your workshop? Is that at school or in, at your home? Uh, it is right to the left of me in my <laughs> okay. home. My my wife is very patient. I say because we have a drill press behind our couch, and then I have about uh, twelve linear feet of bench space in our living room. Oh, poor Lindy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you into electronics too, Shannon? Not at all. Um, nope. Um, where's the buzz for you uh i'm just i'm a geologist man and i like to teach uh i came from industry uh i worked in the oil and gas industry for five years um 
and I just can't work for the man. I can't do it. So I'm really, actually really interested in you guys going out on your own like that because I miss the incredible resources that were available at like a mid-sized company. It was really unbelievable. And you, I definitely miss that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you overestimate our resources. Uh, <laughs> that's why we don't play with hardware. It's all, it's gotta be all IP, right? That's right. <laughs> um, and so, um, I came back for my PhD. It was something I always knew I wanted to do. And so I quit. It was really scary. And I said, I'll go back to school. And I was older and I had a kid and it was weird. But um, yeah, it was the good decision. And then this job came up at the same place I got my PhD at helping to run their field camp as an assistant professor. And so hmm. here I am. And I actually like to teach a lot more than I ever thought I did. I never considered that as a job at all. Oh, cool. And so that's what happened. So how, what's your sort of split like between um, teaching and research and kind of um, collaboration? Well, I mean, the job that I got hired for, well, I got asked to apply for and then hired for was to run our field camp. So if you're not a geologist, you don't know, but field camp is sort of like the apex, your capstone of research. Um, as an undergraduate, you go out into the field for six weeks and you learn how to map and learn how to deal with, you know, people in really close quarters <laughs> and how to get along and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I got hired to run that. We have a really great camp um, out in Canyon City, Colorado. And so I'm mostly teaching. I'm a teaching intensive faculty, so I'm like 70% teaching. But yeah. I still have, um, I have two graduate students right now, and I'm actually going to have four next year. So I still do quite oh, a fair wow. amount of research as well. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. And then this counts as service, so that's fun too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so I actually, I actually gave a talk at AGU, the American Geophysical Union meeting last year in education, uh, that, uh, well, it was about our show and a show called the Orbital Mechanics, uh, who are also close friends of our show. And they do a lot of space flight things, and we just gave a talk on because both of us started in January of 2015. Uh, so what, what a year of podcasting was like in a, a STEM-oriented podcast. And that was, that was really interesting. And we got a lot of good feedback. And I think that helped us get, helped us get some listeners. Uh, but I, I'm curious, how do you guys uh, market your show? How, do you, how are you getting the word out about it? Oh, man, I was hoping you wouldn't ask us that. <laughs> so well, something else. <laughs> we're, we're, Pass. <laughs> we're lacking uh, both a mission statement and a marketing strategy. Uh, <laughs> but you have stickers. <laughs> we mostly just try to get on other people's podcasts. <laughs> Man, that's, the, that's the way to go. The orbital mechanics were, you know, more popular than us, right? So yeah. What's their phone number? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they're up now? <laughs> um, so we, we, we do the uh, the software underground thing, but that the software underground existed before a lot had a lot more amazing content. And everything existed long before under sampled radio. Um, I guess the answer is we we don't do anything, and um, that's just because we don't have a mission statement. My, both of our Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I think I speak for both of us when I say that part of the reason we do this podcast is, as you say, to maybe not so much educate the, our listeners, but give them resources to pick through and, and learn for themselves. Um, I, I try to spend enough time on the show notes that it actually makes sense. 
to, to, to an outside reader. And in fact, we, in that Software Underground forum, we post our show notes open to the world. So anyone who wants can go in there and edit them, uh, ask questions, um, add references. And we do this before we record the show. So like we've had people come in and, and put questions in there for our guests. And it's, it's a kind of cool way to do it. <clears throat> One of the things we've been talking about is doing a live show. And though we don't have the oh, audience yeah. for it yet, I think it'd be a really neat way of bringing a, a guest, a big name guest, to the people of their field. Yeah, it's something that we haven't tried either. And I know we were talking before we went live here, or when we were live the first time, but not really all recording, uh, that it'd be a lot of fun to try maybe a live show from the SciPy conference this summer. Oh, I think people froze. Yeah, you cut out really bad there. Oh, we had a little internet connection problem there. Um, so I think, John, what you were saying is that we were going to try to meet up at the SciPy conference for maybe a live recording. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, I'd also like to do, um, you know, an in-house recording, just that Matt and I with our guest, and then have callers jump on, maybe with YouTube Live or Facebook Live or whatever, whatever they're doing now. So we may we may try to do that pretty soon. How do you guys? How do you interface with your listeners, and do you do you know who your listeners are, and how do you know? <laughs> Well, our parents, and then, um, <laughs> so this is really interesting, because John did this talk, and I did a poster on the same sort of thing um, at the Geological Society of America meeting, and that's what everyone wanted us to do, was to have a live show where people call in, <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting, because I don't yeah. think that was something we necessarily even considered doing. Yeah, so... But our three listeners, if they called in, it wouldn't be enough material. Exactly. But you and guys, over. you guys, I think you could you could do it. So it'd be really neat to have some live system where people call in or video in or something. I feel like we begged for feedback for a long time. What do you think, John? Yeah, there were. I mean, you know, at the end of every show, we say if you want to get a hold of us and tell us what we goofed up or have a comment, you know, here's how you do it, and. Uh, there were definitely times in the first few months of the show where I would be like, hey, you should, Shannon, send an email to the show address and see if it even works. Uh, it, it was one of those kind of things. Uh, but now we, we get pretty consistent feedback. I would say, if not every show, every other show, uh, we've got feedback on something. Either it's somebody that says, oh, something we talked about was relevant, or they read a book that they thought we might be interested in, or have a suggestion for fun papers, which Fun Paper Friday is one of the, I, I think, one of the best features of our show. What is Fun Paper Friday? So <laughs> it, it's something that I used to do just personally, because I, I think it's really valuable to look at literature outside of your field, because generally... If you're trying to solve a problem, there's a good chance that in some other field it's a solved problem. And you can swoop into that literature, shamelessly take all of the work that has been done in that literature, and apply it to your own field and generally make some pretty big leaps. Uh, so I thought it, it was valuable to go around and just poke around in other literature 
and see what was out there. So every Friday I do my weekly review and I would sit at Starbucks and like go through my task lists and try to clean up my calendar, all that stuff. And then I would just surf around and find a paper that is not geology or geophysics. It looked interesting and read it. And I started posting about it on social media and a couple of people started doing it. And then when we started the show, I said, Hey, we should make this a segment. And it's been a, a lot of fun. I mean, we've read almost 70 fun papers now and they're all just some of them bonkers, but we learn something every time. <laughs> I mean, it's stuff like we'll have people that give us real things, you know, and so we'll have these really scientific papers like, you know, avalanche science and stuff like that. And then we do stuff like I we record when I'm out at field camp and it's a stressful situation six weeks out there. And I remember I came <laughs> up with a fun paper that was. If you're going to kill someone with a beer bottle, do you do it with a full beer bottle or an empty beer bottle? <laughs> like it was in like a forensic science paper. You know? so, what was the answer? And that yeah, research I'm asking came for a friend. in very useful. It was empty, right? Yeah, I think so because the full bottle, it was something about the pressure. Right. So like that was it inside the bottle did something. Back yeah. And it wouldn't break and you couldn't harm people with it as easily or something yeah this is with a blow yeah to the yeah. head i see, mm, I see. <laughs> yeah and uh let's see we, we had one recently a few good men that was a paper by goodman 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 and goodman about <laughs> uh co-authored <laughs> papers none of them were related uh <laughs> Yeah, so it's just been a really fun way to kind of see what's out there and learn things like, you know, okay, we modeled earthquakes with a stick-slip process, uh, which is the same thing that, you know, makes machine tools chatter and all that. But there's a biology paper, and it turns out that's the way that spiny lobsters make their noise, too. And, in oh. fact, they even model it with the exact same equations we use to model earthquakes and whether a system is stable or unstable. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Dude, that's why it's called the lobster equation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And both of them are delicious with butter. Who knew? Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> this myelinite. <laughs> I mean... It just keeps it in my teeth, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always wondered, like, at, at conferences... I, I, I've got quite a few pet peeves about conferences. What, <laughs> I, I'll just mention two of them. Well, one of them, really. Um, what, one of them is that the organizers don't seem to sort of spend any effort at all reaching outside of our community to to bring people in to talk about stuff. It kind of blows my mind that I think at SEG there are something like 1,100 talks. It's like 1,100 talks and they can't <laughs> find any space in the program. For lobsters. Bring in, for lobsters. <laughs> for the lobster-based research community or the beer bottle <laughs> forensics. <laughs> you know, I, I just sort of feel like, come on, let's we could try a bit harder. And then, the, and then the other, I guess, the open question, and th this came up because of the, um, oh, they've been trying to do like a, uh, an app, I guess, for the conference that is, a, <laughs> turns out, being <laughs> not a particularly good way of discovering content at the conference. Um, but it could be so great, right? Because it could give you all sorts of really cool recommendations based on, I don't know, ratings, or you give it some keywords, or it looks at your LinkedIn profile or whatever. It could do something cool. And, um, and I guess one of the open questions for me was, should it send you to stuff that's aligned with your research or to somehow stuff that's not, not exactly orthogonal, but, but parallel, right? Um, something that's, hey, this, you, you probably wouldn't have thought of going to this session, but you, you should be in this session, that kind of thing. 
What do you go yeah, to at conferences? <laughs> well, I, it's it's hard because the conferences I go to seem to either be uh, like there's a Gordon conference that I go to on rock deformation where there's one session and it's a hundred people, or they're AGU where there's twenty five thousand people, right. uh, and it's hard to go to. But I definitely try. You know, I go to the major uh, sessions that cover my field. So earthquake dynamics, whatever. And then when there's not one of those sessions, which is a lot of the week, uh, I'll definitely try to find something that sounds interesting, but is not exactly what I do. Uh, you know, going to a geology of the Grand Canyon session mm-hmm. might be not necessarily at all related, but I'll generally pick something up that at some point you can say, hey, I remember from this talk that uh, and, uh, make some nice connections. But what about you, Shannon? Uh, yeah, I think that too. Um, GSA has been having this app the last couple of years with limited success. I feel like it's getting a little bit better, but um, one thing that I like when I'm searching through the vast resources we have at the library here is online, you know, you pick the science direct paper and then it'll come up with this little box that's like, here's five more papers that you may be interested in. And I guarantee, like I download at least two of those. And it would be really cool if one of those, because science direct, it's huge, was sort of not geology related. So I love this idea. I think that's great. I think it, if you schedule, you know, your conference viewing on that app and then it does something like search your, you know, internet searches, that's probably a bad idea. Um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, and suggest some things that you might be interested also because I know that I've like stuck around in rooms and listened to talks that I had no intention of going to just because I was too lazy to leave. And seen some really cool stuff. So yeah. um, I love this well, idea. It's like Amazon. I mean, Amazon is better at predicting on what you're going to buy next than you are sometimes. <laughs> right. They should just uh, send you stuff. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Just give us 50 more bucks. You're going to love this. <laughs> yeah, you actually need this. So, I, so I'm curious, like, but, you know, Shannon, would you say, or both of you guys, do you, do you, do you go to Paleomag and Earthquake sessions out of the sort of obligation so that you feel like you might miss something important but actually you just sit there going god that's bullshit or, um, uh, <laughs> no. you know, do you know what i mean like no <laughs> yeah uh yeah sometimes sometimes i feel like i do that that is true um the paleo mag community in and of itself is fairly tiny like the hardcore paleo magnetist so just like john you know they'll have a small conference with you know 100 people or 150 people but you're absolutely right. There's stuff I feel obligated to go to, but don't really care about. I so that's, that's yeah. kind of kind of weird, isn't it? Because I suspect, like, if you go to the solar sunspot session or something at AGU, all the solar sunspot people are probably sitting there going, oh, this is nonsense. I've heard all this before. <laughs> but you're sitting there going, this is awesome. I didn't know they did this in here. Like, yeah, anyway, I should shut up. But, I mean, we should all just swap, basically. Oh, John and I have talked about this too. We posted up um, a, a page from Carl Sagan's notes, and it was the sort of things that you should look at outside of your own realm. And we talk about this mm. a lot because I think we're both, I mean, we both have a diverse sort of meteorology, geology background. And a lot of people don't see those similarities that exist. And I love this because geology and meteorology, you know, it's the same physics, it's a different time scale. You do the mm. exact same things in the sky as you do under the ground. And it's 
mind blowing because Whoa. how many of us know that? You know, well, two of us, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you two know that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's so cool. And I think people would. I remember seeing this magma chamber experiment, and so it was trying to recreate what happens in a magma chamber. And so you've got magma, and then you squirt it full of this other kind of magma. So how do they interact? And they wind up interacting in this way that is, it's just raw fluid dynamics. And you see clouds that look like these sort of interaction fronts that happened in these fake frozen rocks. And it was unbelievable oh. to me. And I got so excited and everyone's like, what is your deal? This is the worst class ever. I'm like, look at those. <laughs> That's <laughs> so cool. waves. You know, the <laughs> same thing happens when you pour cold milk in your coffee. Exactly. Wow. Clouds and a glass of beer. Yep. It, beer again? <laughs> hey, that's a book. <laughs> your a your book. Amazon page is just rock drills and beer, I bet. <laughs> think of all those awesome suggestions for talks I'm going to get. <laughs> I think that's a good show title, Rock Drills and Beer. Yeah. Oh, it is a good show title. That is exactly that right. <laughs> like, I got to yeah. represent the geology here, all right? Uh, hey, speaking oh, of which, how long do you guys Have you guys done a, a show? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Graham. Uh, how long do you guys record for? Oh, I we generally go anywhere from 40 to 70 minutes. Ah, in the in the summer we try to do summer shorts, which are supposed to be 30 minutes and they generally end up being about 45 anyway. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. Well, long shorts are in these days. <laughs> oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Summer Maybe board shorts. Bermuda shorts, yeah, or something like that. That's good. Uh, so I, this is Matt and I's longest show by far. We usually try to wrap it up at like 20 to 30 minutes because we run out of questions to ask. Um, but uh, so I, I wanted to ask you a, one more question before we sign off, uh, which is related to the audience thing. Do you guys, how do you do analytics on your audience? Ooh, yeah. So we host Pass. the podcast. Pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, we answered ours. Um, <laughs> we post the podcast on Libsyn as the hosting service. I don't know uh, if you're familiar with that or a lot yeah. of listeners probably aren't, but it, it's a pretty great service. And we get to see how many downloads, including people that listen on the website, yeah. uh, there are for each episode. And we can graph it over time and all that stuff. But that's really about all the analytics we do. Everything else that, excuse me, everything else that we know about our audience actually comes from them writing in and telling us about it. Hmm. Uh, and it's been really pretty interesting. And I mean, we've read the feedback. We had someone last week's show uh, from somebody that said, I'm not a geologist, but uh, someone in my family is, and listening to shows giving me tools to talk to them. Wow. So that, that's kind of how we do the analytics, which I guess isn't really doing analytics, something yeah. we need to get better at. Well, you know, um, the coolest thing that's come out of that, though, was the first time that we got feedback from someone that neither John nor I knew. Like, that was the coolest thing. We're like, do oh, you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Oh, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, oh, yeah. I think that was, we had someone that worked in a mine that uh, sent some photos. And we're like, you were talking about this this mine slide. And, you know, I, I work at that mine. And here's some photos. And you got this little bit wrong. We were like, whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That was really cool. And we actually have a lot of people who aren't geoscientists. They're just enthusiasts, which I don't think we thought was going to happen either. Not at all. So I don't know if you guys know anything about your listeners. It's all know. software nerds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I don't know anything about software. Uh, Matt is the specialist. Um, I just know about wave propagation 
and we have both of those types of people on Software Underground, and that's that's where the majority of our audience comes from. Uh, we have not received <coughs> feedback from people we don't know or our parents. So, <laughs> mom, come on, <laughs> leaving you hanging. Thanks, mom. Uh, <laughs> I so think I actually have to like one, and then was like, "That's nice, dear." So I actually have a last question for you guys, and it's one that the uh, the Life Hacker How I Work series always asks people, and I thought it was a, a really good question. And it's, what is the one thing that you are better at than everyone else, and what's your trick? Oh, God, I was hoping we weren't going to get to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you go, and I'll come up with something while you're talking. Uh, Wait, yeah, I mean, Shannon, that's, that's, don't you have to go too? Oh, I don't have to go. Oh. I was going to say Matt's really good at this Google Hangout thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough question. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm good at uh, shipping. <laughs> so I'm good at, uh, and this is a fairly new thing because I've got a bit of a, um, bit of a perfectionist streak, but um, I, I. I get stuff done, and I'm and I'm satisfied with uh, with imperfection now. So it, it's much more important to me since, especially since coming out on my own. You know, well, like I say, I'm not not really on my own in agile. But when I started, it was um, it was just me for a bit, and you know, you really feel like there's the pressure to get stuff not not only do things but get them out, like get get them into people's hands. Um, yes, and you are very good at that. I mean, you can see that if you look at your GitHub pages and Agile's GitHub pages. I mean, there's so many cool tools there that are ready to go. Yeah, the corollary, though, is that, uh, well, maybe that's not the right word, but the, the sort of flip side of that is there's a lot of stuff and I uh, don't necessarily <laughs> maintain it all. So there's quite a bit of kind of abandonware and... Um, you know, one of the most popular things we ever did was some cheat sheets uh, that, that sort of, well, you know, they just have equations and tables of data and that kind of thing on them. But they're, they're, I, they're, the, the things that I used to carry around in my notebook uh, as a sort of practicing geoscientist, and, um, I, you know, we drew them up and made a nice job of them and put them on the website. And they were really, really popular, but I haven't updated them for ages, and I've I feel almost daily guilt about that. <laughs> it's pretty sad. But uh, yeah, and I don't understand the other bit. What's the thing about a trick? Well, so how do you, how did you get comfortable, I guess, in this situation with not always having perfection, but actually just going ahead and shipping something, getting something out there? How, how did you make that transition? Oh, wow. And what was it the desire to, you know, keep the lights on? And I'm sure that was to some point, but, but how did you, I guess, mentally get comfortable with doing that? Yeah, it's a bit addictive actually. And, um, fundamentally what drove it, I think was wanting to like, I perceive the, sorry, I, it's like somebody wave at me if I'm really going on about this, but (laughs) like one of my, I guess one of my things what Agile is fundamentally about is this sort of middle space between um, between kind of research and what you might call the cutting edge, which is 
obviously important and you know I have massive respect for the people who live at the cutting edge. I, I'm not intellectually able to live there and um, or keep up with what's going on there. And and I, I think, well, I don't want to say intellectually, but just in terms of time and attention and bandwidth, most practitioners aren't able to live at the cutting edge. But I, I do feel like there's a role to play in bringing some of the more, um, some of it, some pure science, so to speak, to the practicing geoscientists who can't necessarily keep up. And what's like, where they kind of, um, I don't want to say they're let down, but I mean, fundamentally, they're limited by the fact that many of them live in software, in, in desktop software built by the people that's proprietary and black box, and they don't know what it's doing. Right. And, and so, uh, so there's this space in between those two worlds, I think, and that's where Agile tries to live. It's like when you do, um, I don't know, the thing Evan's working on right now is like wavelet extraction. So when you do wavelet extraction, here's what's happening. Here's some Python code that does the same thing. Here's some open data that you can practice it on. You know, um, and I, I get a real kick out of that. That's a hot, I don't know how I got there. But. <laughs> well, it's, it's too bad because that was my answer, man. I was going to say the middle space explaining explaining the, un- the uh, interfacing a non-technical specialist with uh, a technical specialist. I really, I like to do the development work and the cutting edge stuff and get the tools running and doing all that. But it's also really satisfying to be able to apply the tools because you've, shown someone who has some decision-making power why they should use those tools and why it's going to be of value to them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I know in academia, it feels like a lot of times we we come up with some kind of uh, algorithm or way to solve a problem, and we write some really cruddy piece of software that will show how it works for you know our test data that we're going to put in the paper. But it's not really robust. When you try to apply it to real data, things break. And it's a real challenge to get it to that stage. And I think that's something that uh, it sounds like both of y'all are really good at. Conversely, in industry, so many times you're tied, just like Matt said, to this huge marketed black box piece of software because that's what your company uses. And I can't tell you how many times I would have loved to have been able to call somebody and say, what is this doing? You know, so that's... (laughs) Fantastic. It almost makes me want to go back into oil and gas, guys. <laughs> almost, like this much. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know we're going really long for your show, and we're actually approaching kind of long for us. So maybe we should uh, sign off until part two of this at some point. That's sci-fi. But I guess, I guess we should tell people uh, how to get a hold of each of our shows, respectively. Yeah. Um, so for us, go to... Uh, swung.rocks to go check out the software underground where you can talk to us and talk to the people that are way smarter than us that are actually coming up with really cool ideas and, and code that you can have for free. Um, it's it's a great community and, and you should go check it out. Yeah, and we are online, like you said earlier, you can go to don'tpanicgeocast.com to find us and we've got links to all of our social media profiles, etc. on there. So I guess with that, we'll say, until next week, don't panic. I still haven't come up with a sign-off uh... yet. <laughs> so uh, thanks for stopping by, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Matt, come up with something I'm... quick. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. Yeah, we can fade now. the music in there, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome.